you. Um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray another quick prayer, if that's okay, before I start speaking. Um, Jesus, thank you, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you speak to us. Lord, you're so welcome. You're so welcome, Jesus, and thank you that you welcome us too. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but the church that we've just heard about in that passage sounds brilliant. It sounds great. This is a community of people who share everything. They eat together. They're worshipping together. They're getting stuck in with the local community. They're praying and they're learning together as well. There's loads of great stuff going on in this church community. Um, the church that's being described here is, is the early church, like Adam said. So this is the first group of people who gathered to follow Jesus um, after his death and resurrection. Um, the description that we've got here was probably written by a man called Luke. And that's the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, um, which is the story of Jesus' life. Um, and the style of Luke's writing is pretty idealistic. Luke writes about the best of what church can be. He writes about an ideal society. An ideal church. Like church, but on a really, really good day. And this is the church that he describes. They're sharing everything with each other. They're praying together. They're meeting the needs of their community. They're eating together and they're learning and they're worshipping. These people are genuinely glad to be alive. They're living a life where they feel satisfied and they belong to a healthy community. It's not perfect. Maybe some people in it are sick. Maybe some of them are grieving. Maybe some of them don't even know why they really turned up. But every one of them is welcome. Every one of them belongs. And every one of them has everything that they need. These people may not be perfect, but they're living as a healthy community. They're living together. They're living in a way that welcomes everyone. So maybe you've been a part of G2 for years. Maybe today's your first day with us. Or maybe you're somewhere in between the two. I want to say thank you for being here today. You're so welcome. Because in being here, you enrich this community. In being who you are and joining in with this community, you make this a better church. So it's brilliant that you could be here today. So the church that we read about in our passage, Acts 2, they're welcoming everyone and they know why it is that everyone is welcome. 
This church pray together, and I love prayer. That's the, this is the third thing that I love about this church. They pray together all the time, every day. They pray together. So we're going to give that a go together. I'm going to finish speaking, and then we're going to pray together. And Adam and Sarah are going to lead us in that. And it's going to be great. I'm so excited because prayer is great. And what we're doing when we pray is we're interacting with God. We're having a conversation with God. We're starting a conversation with God because he wants to speak to us. He wants to have that conversation. And that's what's going on when we pray. We're, um, we're starting to speak to God. So we're going to give that a go together later on. And I think one of, I think prayer, actually, and the way that this early church prayed together is a reason, one of the reasons that they, that they, they do welcome everyone. It's one of the reasons that they always make room for one more. It's because they prayed, they interacted with God, and because they interacted with him, they got to know him. You see, the passage that we've read today is, is actually really clear. It's the Lord who added to their number daily. God is the best welcomer. All the time, in and around this church, God was, God was working to invite and direct and call people into the church, which is the family, it's the family of God. It's, it's a, a community, a, a gathering of people who are following Jesus in relationship with God. God welcomed people into it. And the church went along with that because they had this understanding that there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more. Everyone is welcome with us. I think they learned that, I think they learned that in, in prayer, in getting to know God through prayer. And they made space for it in their lifestyle. They, and they created a space where everyone was welcome. There's always room for one more. And I think the way they created that space is they lived with um, this, this healthy rhythm that we see described in the passage for today. The things that they were engaging in, this sharing food together and, and praying together and um, meeting the needs of their community, getting stuck in with, with the local people. There are there are all these things that the church are doing that help them to be a healthy community. It's like when we, um, it's like when we go after a healthy lifestyle in ourselves. There are certain habits that are good for us, like sleeping enough and eating well and getting the right kind of exercise and in, like, enough exercise in the way that we live. These habits health, help us to be healthy. And that's like the lifestyle that this church was, was living in together, the, those healthy habits that we can have for ourselves, the way that the church in Acts is living and, and the, the, the lifestyle they're leading is like the way to build a healthy community following Jesus. Now, this is the second of the second week that we've got these two new services. 
Um, and in like those two, those two services are, um, they're like an expression and they're evidence that we're a growing church. And to be a growing church, we have to be a healthy church. A healthy church is a church that's growing. So if we're growing, then we're also um, we're also healthy. So um, I want to, yeah, I just wanted to say it's great that we are welcoming people. It's great that there are things that we're doing and ways that we're living that, that are like this church in Acts. I just think that there's more. There are new ways that we can explore of, of living with some of these healthy lifestyle patterns that we see the church in Acts living with. Um, and there's another... Um, as, I was, as I was praying and preparing for this talk... Um, there was another passage that came to mind that helps us to um, get to know something about the nature of God, um, that nature of God that is, that is welcoming and makes space for one more, makes room for one more all the time. Um, and that, that passage actually is found in the Old Testament. So the, um, the passage from Acts is in the New Testament after Jesus was alive, and this passage is in the Old Testament. Um, which is before Jesus, um, but God, it's the same God. He's the same God. He's always been that welcoming, um, that welcoming presence. Um, but in this story, there's a man called Elijah. Um, and Elijah has been living in the wild for a while. And while he's living there, he, like, God just provides for him in this crazy way. Um, so Elijah's living in the wild. He needs food. He needs water. Um, and the way that he gets food is that ravens come and deliver, deliver like bits of bread and meat. Um, and I've tried, to, I've tried to kind of imagine how that might look. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe sometimes the ravens fly over and they've got like bits of, um, bits of like steak in their talons or like bits of bread. And then they just drop it and Elijah finds it. And he's like, oh, this is from the ravens. Like, it's my breakfast. Great. Like, I'll, like, I'll take it. And then, um, I don't know, sometimes maybe the ravens are flying over and they drop it and it lands on his head because they didn't gauge it right. Or like, the ravens just wanted to like, have a bit of a, a game with Elijah. I don't know. Um, but that's like, it, like, imagine, imagine that being the way that you got your food. Like, it's just, like, it's mad. But that's how Elijah was living. Um, and the other thing he was doing uh, he was getting his water from a brook. A brook is like a little stream. Um, so he needed food. He needed. To eat. He also needed to drink. Um, and he was drinking out of this, like out of this stream. But what happens in our story is that the stream dries up. So then Elijah needs a new. Like he needs a, a new way to drink. He needs a new way to live. And God helps him with that. God gives Elijah a new instruction. He's been living on his own. I've never lived in the wild myself, but I imagine it must be pretty isolating. <laughs> but this stream dries up, so Elijah's like, oh, I can't live on my own anymore. Um, I can't live where I'm living, so I have to go and find something else. And the way that God provides for Elijah in this new season, in this new circumstance... Um, is he sends him to a widow and he says that he's directed this widow to supply food 
for Elijah. So um, where Elijah has been on his own, living in isolation, um, and relying on God, learning to trust God for provision in that context, um, in this new circumstance, um, God says to Elijah, like, now I'm going to provide for you through people. You're going to be a part of... um, you're gonna. He, he, Elijah ends up being part of a little family. Um, it's the, it, like he meets a widow and her son, and joins in with them. And the widow welcomes them, uh, and they they eat they eat together. They become a little community. Um, now, from from the widow's perspective of this story, um, it's actually quite a hard thing for her to welcome Elijah. Um, when Elijah meets the widow, he's got his, he's, he's come into a new town. He's got his eye out. He's looking for this widow because he's like, if I want food, I need to find this widow that God's uh, told me to look for. Um, cause she's, she's kind of all I've got. She's kind of my only hope. Um, so Elijah's got his eye out for this widow and he spots her and he calls out to her and, and asks her for bread and for water. Um, when the widow hears that, she's, actually got she's not got bread and she's got a handful of flour and a little bit of oil and it's enough for her to make one more loaf of bread and she's about to do that and then share that one loaf of bread with her son and then she thinks they're going to die so it's quite a hard thing um for Elijah to come and say oh can you just give me a piece of that bread um that you were going to bake that like the widow hears that and she's like oh, that's all, that's all I had left. Um, but she shares it anyway. And the beautiful thing that we learn about God in this is that the widow, the widow shares what she's got and God takes it and multiplies it. He takes it and he, he makes room for one more um, and he does that so abundantly that, like, for, I don't know exactly how long it is, but there's this length of time that Elijah and the widow and the son are all eating from that same handful of flour and that same oil um, that was all the widow had left. So God takes what we have and he makes room for one more. And it's with this God, it's because of this God that there's always room for one more in our church there's always room for one more at g2 and everyone who comes is welcome because of the god that we know because of the god that we're following um, i'm just going to give us a minute now um, and with it's not even going to be a minute but i'm going to give us a moment to think of someone who we can welcome to our church. You want to hold that person in, in mind because we're going to pray for them. I said we're going to pray. Um, and they're the people that we're going to be praying for. Um, the last thing, uh, yeah, the, the last thing that I'm going to talk about um, is the fact that this church, this church that we read about in Acts, um, they made room for everyone because they knew why there was room for everyone. And actually, Jesus is the room. It, Jesus, um, Jesus is the reason.
that there's always room for one more in our church. This is actually what Jesus did at the cross. He made a way for everyone to be welcome. You see, on the cross, Jesus took on everything that separates us from God. And then he died with it. And then he rose again. And because he rose again, he overcame that he overcame everything that would have stopped us from being in relationship with God. He overcame everything that makes it hard for us to interact with God. So at the cross, Jesus had his arms wide open. And in that, he was extending an invitation. He was, he was welcoming, making a way for everyone, making room for one more. I sometimes, I'm quite a visual person. So I find it helpful to kind of imagine things. Um, so I wonder what that looked like. I wonder, I wonder what was in Jesus' eyes when he was on the cross. You see, on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, he, um, he didn't feel connected to God. He didn't feel close to God. Um, but I imagine that the look in his eyes then wasn't despair, it was actually hope. Because even though he felt disconnected from God, I believe Jesus had every confidence that God was still with him, that he, he, Jesus knew God, right? Jesus knew God, and he knew that God would never... Um, he knew that, he, yeah, he, he just knew that God would never let him down. So even though he was forsaken, Jesus knew that God had forsaken him because that was, that was our fate that Jesus took on his shoulders. Like Jesus took on his shoulders. Jesus knew that it wasn't the end of the story, so he had hope. I believe that's what was in Jesus' eyes at the cross. Um, but Jesus, Jesus made room for one more. Jesus makes room for one more. And there's always room for one more in G2. Um, the final thing um, was actually a picture um, that I got for, for us. As I say, I'm a visual person. And one way that Jesus, um, that I believe Jesus speaks to me um, is through um, like things that, that come to my mind. And often that's pictures. Um, and as I was praying for, for us as a church, um, a picture came into my mind, which is of a person who was in a kind of glass sphere, like a bubble, um, and they were walking into a crowd, wanting to be a part of it, um, but actually what was happening as they walked through the crowd is this glass sphere that was around them was like pushing everyone away. Um, and I think, and I saw... Um, I saw a second picture, which was of the same person, um, but they were glowing. They were kind of radiant with light. Um, and this person wanted to be in the crowd, and they were getting involved with the crowd. They were, like, touching people and, and, and giving them hugs. And, you know, everywhere that this person touched um, left this light 
it was like an imprint of light, kind of like glow paint, got left on the people that they were interacting with. Um, and to me, in these, these two pictures, I think what God was saying is that for, for us here, there are people in the room who, who want to be a part of this church. They want to belong to this church. And, and they're in it. They're already in it. But there's something surrounding them. There's something that's stopping them um, from kind of engaging and connecting. Um, and that might be, that might be different. Um, for each of the people that that picture applies to. Maybe it's that you feel, um, maybe it's that you think that you feel ashamed. Maybe it's that you think that um, maybe for, for some reason you might not feel good enough or you might not, you might not, it might be as simple as I don't feel welcome. I don't feel like I'm wanted here. Or it could be something else. Um but in, like, essentially, in Jesus' death, he took away that glass fear. So whatever it is, whether it's something I've named or something I've not named, if you feel like you're in that glass sphere and you want to be a part of this church, but you're not quite there, there's something that's just, that's in the way. Um, on the cross, Jesus took away that glass sphere, so it's actually not there anymore. And we, as a church, have become people like the second one that I described, and that that light, um, that light and that interaction is is that person um, was able to in through Jesus. The light comes from Jesus, right? Um, that person through Jesus was able to interact with like thankfulness and with um, with like that with some of that gladness that we saw the early church um, described in our passage live in. The second person was like glad to be alive and sharing, they were even sharing themselves in like interacting with people around. They were like, this is who I am. I'm going to, I'm, I'm sharing with you. I'm, I'm alongside you. Um, and that's the people that we are. That's the people that Jesus made a way for us to be. Um, so, I'm going to pray very quickly um, for anyone who wants to receive that picture. Like anyone, if that picture means anything to you, um, then I'm just going to pray quickly um, for you now. You can just close your eyes and I'll pray and then hand back to Adam and Sarah. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, thank you that you welcome us. Thank you that you took away that glass sphere, whatever that means for us, Jesus. You took it away. I thank you, Jesus, that that every single person in this room is welcome. And there's a way for every single person in this room to to live in that that fullness, that gladness um, that we saw in this, this early church that we've read about today, Jesus. Thank you for the life that that church is living. And I thank you that every single one of us can live a life that's like that. Because of what you've done for us, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we belong here. And we belong with you. Amen.